Hello and welcome. This is our episode of Baby Talk for Saturday, July 24th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the Degenerate Flophouse in Saratoga and uh, joined once again from a golf course in western New York. I think that's what we're going to call this location, where from Gainesway Farm, Sean Tugel joins us today. Sean, how are things? Doing great, Pete. You mentioned that we're up here in western New York, uh, actually in Hamburg, New York. And the last time I was in Hamburg, New York, I was about nine years old. We went and we showed up to play youth hockey. And by the time we walked out of the ice rink, the throughway was closed because two feet of snow had shown up off Lake Erie and we got stuck in Hamburg. So that's the last time I was here, 25 years ago. I think you're probably going to get to avoid the uh, the snowstorm this time around. I think it's safe to say. I, I hope so. <laughs> but you never know up here in Western New York. You just never know. We, we've got a couple of things we want to chat about before we dive into the meat of today's show, which is going to be a quartet of uh, baby races on this Saturday. But I wanted to start off just with a general look at how things are continuing to evolve with the, the freshman sires list uh, we, we've had more success for gunrunner i know that much yeah i mean gunrunner continues to impress he's got eight winners um you know last weekend echo zulu ran a 92 buyer and by far is probably uh gunrunner's best horse to have shown up and run so far that was extremely impressive but uh you know he's doing what he's supposed to do he's one of the highest priced freshman sires when he came in um he he performed there at the two-year-old sales. People liked his yearlings. That he had a good commercial appeal, and uh, you'd be pretty disappointed if he wasn't at the top of the list right now. Um, there's some other horses that are still searching for for those uh, first maiden wins, and 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 then we're seeing you know Practical Joe kind of popped up. He's he's starting to come along as as we expected, and then you know he's got his son Wit, who's uh, by winning the the Sanford last week and has put him to number two on the freshman sire list. Stanford out in California continues to produce winners. Um, and you know, we, we see the unifieds and the, and the connects and the Gormleys and the Klimps kind of, you know, throwing some winners and, and, and I'm sure they'll continue to do that, but I don't think we've seen their best yet. So, uh, you know, it's something that continues to evolve week to week. It's a story that we're going to follow this year. And we'll look at the, some of the second year sires as well to see how that situation changes from, from the, from the first year, the second year. So, so stay tuned to baby talk. Our, our primary focus here is going to be handicapping two-year-old races, but Looking at the at the industry as a whole, uh, for, from the from the sire point of view, something else we're definitely interested in. We're also interested in folks asking us questions, and we got a very good one from Rob Capalbo, who I had the pleasure of meeting up at Saratoga last weekend. And then he sent in a question by email, which you can do through the contact page over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Looms Boldly. He's at Sean Tugel. Uh, but the, Rob's question was, how important is the month of foaling for a two-year-old first-time starter? In other words, how much better is it to be um, a little bit early in the year, have that extra life experience chance to chance to grow into the frame, et cetera, than to be a later season foal? I got to admit, I this is something intuitively to me, yes, it should matter. But I don't, I mean, I'm, it's not one of the, my go-to things I look at, as people know, who hear me talk about two-year-old races on the network all the time. How much does the, the month of foaling mean to you, Sean, and uh, how do you approach the issue? Um, I would think that the month of foaling is probably a bigger issue when, when you're looking at, like, the Keeneland baby races. And by this time of year, you know, everybody is, is, is officially a two-year-old 
Um, if they weren't physically able to do it, they're not going to be entered in the starting gate. Uh, personally, as a breeder, I, I prefer to have my foals born March, April, May. Um, I think it's just they get to live outside quicker. Uh, they get to grow up in, in sunshine, green grass. And it's just, you know, we've seen a lot of, of horses, um, you know, through the Triple Crown Trail recently and, and some major graded stakes horses that are April and May foals. And, and um, you know, as they mature and, and get to this time and later in the two-year-old year, um, I don't think it's, it's a, much of an issue at all. Uh, but this goes to where you go and you look at them in, in the paddock. And, and so if you like a May full, let go look. If, 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 it, if that May full is as big as the January full in the paddock, then I don't see any issue. But if the May full looks, you know, less mature, smaller, maybe a little weaker, um, and, and it needs to grow into itself more, then, then that would be uh, when you would pay more attention to that. But I, I think really it just comes down to, to their physical attributes. And, and if the May full is a big, strong, strapping colt or filly, um, then it doesn't really matter whether they're born in January, May, or or when. Just uh, they look like a good horse. You said something else. I was curious about the idea that because of uh, the weather in January, February, that maybe even when they're younger, is it is it possible that it's not as much of an advantage just in terms of like how they get to spend those critical first couple months of life? I mean, does mm -hmm. it maybe come out in the wash a little bit because of the the differences in in the the early months? of the, the March and April babies versus the January, February? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. Um, you know, horses build bone by going out and moving and, and running around. And, and that's critical for a young horse. You know, they, their, their ability and, and their ability to mature and grow into an athlete starts from day one. Uh, you know, us who are in the breeding game understand how quickly it can go the wrong way um, and, and how much it takes of good luck and, and everything going the correct way just to get to the starting gate. Um, let alone to the big races. So I've always been a big, big believer. Horses are meant to be raised outside. Um, I've always been a big believer that they just need to be out moving around. It helps their lungs. It helps them stay healthy. You know, when you're, when you're kind of cooped up in a barn, um, you know, there's, there's more opportunity to, to get sick. There's, there's, you know, biosecurity situations when you're outside, that's where they're meant to be. So, um, I, I've always personally, I, I would rather have my mares bred a little bit later and full a little bit later. And they just seem to be really healthy and thrive quicker. That's great stuff. I never thought about it that way. And it makes absolute sense. And thank you, Rob, for sending in that fantastic question. Look forward to seeing you around the paddock bar a little bit later in the meet. Let's talk about some races, Sean. And we'll start off at Saratoga with the sixth race on Saturday. Uh, give us your thoughts. Um, I, I kind of was taken. You're, you're kind of waiting for that that big Chad Brown two year old to, to unveil itself. Um, listening to the Fox Fox uh, show and JK, they can't kind of keep harping on on his seconds and and not getting off to the usual start we're used to seeing with Chad Brown. But but this might be the one with Tasha. You know, it's the Chad Brown Peter Brandt connections into mischief. Four hundred fifty thousand dollar yearling. Um, you got Irad up. It, it kind of says, hey, here we are. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of drawn to that uh, out of an elusive quality mare. So uh, speed is all right there in the breeding. Uh, so I'm kind of taken to there as a first time starter, but but definitely Labarde. I'm not quite sure how Labard, the, the, the Safi Joseph second time out was only beaten a neck. You got Manny Franco there. Uh, that horse could really, you know, maybe take another step forward off the first race. Um, and as we know, uh, a horse with a race under their belt is always very dangerous. No doubt. That, that's where my, uh, uh, my, that, that angle of having the race under the belt 
is what led me to want to talk about uh, number three bourbon heist in this spot. I thought that was a lot of money for a Wilkes Furster on debut. And I thought there was enough of a trip excuse and that the early pace was fast enough in that one that, uh, that I'm interested. Wilkes, a trainer who typically they keep improving through that first handful of starts. I wanted to keep bourbon heist, the son of practical joke on side in, uh, in this one. And then another one that I wanted to mention was the 10 fluid situation, solid debut sire and warriors reward. And I love the fact that this dam has had eight foals make it to the races and eight have won. Now, to be fair of those eight, only one, one first time out, but there were four seconds first time out and you dealing with, with a horse that's a, that's a full, I believe to Axelrod, who was a horse of some count in the last couple of years. Did you like either of those or? Um, I, you know, the other horse that I kind of was drawn to a little bit and that made, that was probably more the, the, the connections, the gun runner Chileno, um, coming out of the same race as bourbon heist, but I'm a little lukewarm on, on both Chileno and bourbon heist because I was very disappointed by Ottoman empire back in the Sanford. And that was the horse that I was expecting to, to run a race. And so I don't know if that race, um, is, is going to be a very productive race. This, this race will certainly tell us, but, uh, that was, that was kind of why I kind of, was was a little hesitant to, to jump on board either of those horses. One other note on Watasha, who you mentioned, uh, David Aragona, who does a terrific job in the racing form, doing the write-ups for the baby races, noted that this one's been working with another unraced into mischief named Key Point. So if Watasha runs well, it stands to reason that Key Point might run very well. We've seen a Chad be very good at matching horses with like-minded company. So just a little angle to pay attention to if, in fact, Watasha steps up and runs a big one, uh, which I do agree is a likely scenario. I see it, I think, as a little more of a, of a spready situation than you, Sean, but you make a, you make a good case, and the, the tote and paddock will offer us further clues in this one. Let's move to Ellis Park and the sixth race there uh, on Saturday. Sean, where do you like uh, – what do you like in here? Um, I, I was kind of immediately, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for, for fast gateworks for, uh, for babies. And so I was drawn to the Eddie Keneally. Uh, he put Brian Hernandez on there. You got a gatework of 46 and one, you got a gatework of 47 and four. Um, my only hesitation is, is, is the, the, it's, it's a by empire maker, uh, who would probably want more distance, uh, than the five furlongs, but you do have the Spitestown mare there that, that might put that kind of speed and zip into the horse. Um, and look, I, we see it all the time. Two-year-olds, regardless of whether they end up being derby winners or not, they win and break their maiden going short, almost all of them, because that's how two-year-olds race is short races. So uh, this horse just might be the class of the field and be that horse that, hey, keep an eye out for this horse come come the major stakes races down down the road a couple of weeks from now if this horse wins impressively. Uh, I was drawn to that horse mainly because of the of the of the gateworks. Uh the other horse that was drawn, I was drawn to, uh, not only because of the 59-4 gate bullet, was Joe Sharp's uh, horse, Honey Run. Uh, Keen Ice, who did his best running going a mile and a quarter, has had a bunch of two-year-old winners already, being a freshman sire. So uh, I, I kind of find that interesting. This horse certainly has a little bit of uh, speed to be able to work that fast out of the gate. Um, and, and Keen Ice already having two-year-old winners. So I think that's an interesting play there. And then you got race day attire for Jason Barkley has some fast works, um, and and 
girl with a dream on the outside, the, the practical joke for, for Brad Cox and Florent Giroux, you always have to respect those connections at Ellis. But I was really drawn to uh, the five Dawson Springs with my A pick and giving Joe Sharp uh, the nine horse honey run with, with my B pick. Ten girl with a dream was one I wanted to talk about for that gate work reason. That work three back leapt off the page for me. And then you mentioned the connections and the practical joke as we talked about. Been yeah. Doing plus, plus, uh, you know, it was one of the only horses there that has a work over Ellis. The last work was at Ellis Park, which, you know, maybe maybe that can help move that horse as well. So, another Ellis worker that I was interested in mentioning was number twelve, Ivisa for Brendan Walsh. We talked about the importance of a horse purchased in a two-year-old training sale having uh, a sales price that's a significant multiple of the stud fee. Ivisa was a was was a yearling purchase last year, but also a hundred and fifty thousand dollar Union Rags, and then uh, female side pedigree here. Mary Meadow, the dam of of Hosier, one of some uh, of some count to to say the least. So. I thought that the 12 had a chance to, to get in the mix. Brendan Walsh does not have another one of these trainers, does, you know, known as a consummate uh, horseman, doesn't have great numbers first out, but certainly knows what to do with a, with a good and fast two-year-old, as we've seen. What do you think of that one? You know, I, I kind of – it was kind of, you know, I felt the same with you. It kind of made, made, made plenty of uh, sense there. Uh, the pedigree, I, I'm a big Union Rags fan. Certainly that mare has already thrown a, a good high-class horse in Hosier. Um, it, maybe just the fact that Brendan, usually they need need a race. Uh, I kind of landed and leaned more towards the Keneally and the and the Joe Sharp horse. Certainly you got to take a look. And, and James Graham is one of the leading riders there at, at Ellis. If that horse is, is hot on the board, then certainly uh, they people know more than we do. There you go. There you go. Another one to keep on on the long list at Ellis. Let's go out west to talk about Del Mar and some babies out there. And this race has a pedigree that uh, very, very, uh, very, very exciting. Um, number one, Mirasol. The New Year's Day, Mohamed, Kingly, Enforceable. The dam is five for five with black type everywhere. And then interesting to see uh, that uh, we're, we're dealing with with an arrogant baby, sort of a bittersweet story, of course, but uh, v very interested to see how this thing runs. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, it's probably the most well-bred two-year-old we've seen debut so far. Uh, Just Whistle Dixie back in full to tap it this year, carrying a full to Mohamed, so excited for that. And Mohamed's been uh, a very uh, under-the-radar freshman sire this year, having produced a bunch of winners already. So that's a horse to certainly keep an eye on. Um, this is probably a wait-and-see approach for me. Uh, the five and a half furlongs, I think, is probably short for an Arrogate. Arrogate is still trying to get off the duck, having, trying to get a first two-year-old winner. Um, and I found it interesting that it had a six furlong gate move its last work. Um, don't always see that uh, at this time of year, uh, having to put that much. So, I'm, 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 you know, Bob Baffert certainly trains for speed, but I don't I'm, – I'm on the fence about how much speed maybe this horse has and down on the rail. I was actually taken to the uh, the three horse, but you know, by Camaral. Um, certainly, Constitution is a great first time out sire, uh, very good sire of two year olds. Out of a song and a prayer mare, which is nothing but speed, and has some very fast works there for Richard Baltus. Uh, I was drawn to that horse uh, in the field, and then uh, certainly rooting for our clients, Ellen J. Foxwoods, with the tap at homebred, uh, honor it. 
has some good first has some really good works. The Mandela Pratt connection is always good. And Mandela's 20 percent first out. He's, he, you, 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 I, I, that was surprising to me that he was that good first out. Um, so I, I was actually probably less likely to, to pick Baffert here and and was leaning probably as Baltus. I, I just love the work patterns. I, I love the breeding on that horse. Um, but very interested to see how, how the Mandela firster runs. That's you mentioned a bunch of horses I wanted to talk about. And I tend to agree with you. I, I as fascinated as I am as a racing fan to see Mirasol run, you made a key point about the rail. And I'm not one of these people who doesn't think a first time starter can win from the rail. They can when they have speed. But Del Mar's inside has not been good the pretty much any of the days that I've watched. I don't follow as religiously as Saratoga. But, I mean, it, it, for me, has been a noticeable bias. So if we have some questions about speed, if she can't get away from there, this could be a, a horse beating at odds on, potentially, if, if uh, others are liking the way she's training in the morning. One other that I wanted to mention in this spot is the Mark Glattrunner dance to the music. Uh, love, the, love the musical reference to Sly and the Family Stone, first of all. My dad, my dad were, he, were he here? would be auto-betting dance to the music, uh, as he probably would all of the McLean's musics, to be fair. He was a, a big, uh, he knew McLean a little bit, was a big fan of his. This horse selling for uh, $575,000 and uh, just has a very speedy look for Mark Glatt, I think ha has to be considered at least. Yeah, I just think the holdup for me on that one would be the the a minute three gate work. Um, that's very slow for a gate work. Um, so that, that would hold me up a little bit. But like you said, very high-priced uh, two-year-old. Um, Mark Glatt's a very good trainer. And uh, so certainly, I, I mean, again, I, we always keep harping on on these first-time starters and, and how the tote board is speaking. Um, be hard for me to, to, to play that horse at this point, moment. Um, but uh, but I, I see where you're going with it. McLean's music's having a great year. Just to follow back on Mirasol, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, arrogate was, was definitely he, his least favorite track when he was running was Del Mar. He was, he was not even close to the arrogate we know when he ran at Del Mar. So I wonder, if, point. I wonder if his, you know, his offspring will, will have the same uh, dislike for it or, or if they can overcome that. So, uh, but uh, it's really hard for me to look past the Baltus horse here. No, I got, I got you. I, I absolutely understand your affection for, for bicameral number three. And we're recording this ahead of there being a clocker report available. So that's something else you can do and take a look. And, and I, would, I would tend to agree. Sometimes, I, look, I mean, everybody's doing their best. Clocking horses can be, can be a crazy game. Um, if we can take the 103 gatework at face value and, and the horse is, is on the slower side, then yeah. But if there was some incident or some other reason why that was slow and the horse comes out okay in the clocker report, I'm going to be inclined. I'm going to be inclined to forgive. And then it's also one of those things where if there's a narrative around the, the horse that's negative and the price drifts up too much, I'll still be inclined to uh, to include. But we, we talked about all the ones that I wanted to chat about there. I say we head back to the East Coast for our final race of this edition of Baby Talk, and that is Gulfstream Park race number nine. Sean, what did you come up with in here? Um, well, I, uh, I, you know, I, I kind of started with, with, uh, the horse that's run twice for pa Patrick being by Gormley, who's a first year sire. He's had plenty of winners already. Um, 
already had run a 60 buyer when running second last time out, gets a little bit more distance again. So I, I think it could be hard to, to beat that horse, but uh, Gustavo Delgado with, with super, super sister two. I'm not, you'll have to help me on that, that enunciation, but uh, big fan of Gustavo Delgado. I, I think he's a top notch trainer that we have here in the U S most of his running is done down in South Florida, but you see him always come out of there with, with some good horses and, and, and pickpocket some great stakes around the country. So, you know, what, what, Gulfstream has always been, producing some very good two-year-olds that have come out of there. You know, Dan out of the office is a horse that comes to mind last year who broke her mating down at Gulfstream and then went on to bigger and better things. You know, Gunavera is a horse that's come out of Gulfstream and then gone on to win greatest stakes races over the summertime as a two-year-old at Saratoga. So, you know, these Gulfstream races, although they're usually shorter fields, uh, have been known to produce some really good horses. So uh, the Gustavo Delgado horse is, is kind of a horse I'm interested in, and I'm always rooting for my man, Timmy Ham down there at Gulfstream, and he's got a Bali Bali, who I'm a big fan of that horse. Uh, I used him in my freshman sire contest. He's had some winners. You know, he was a champion down in uh, in, in Brazil and came up here to be a grade one winner. And uh, he's by Put It Back, who's, who did his – he stood in Florida. So it's it's a lot of speed. Uh, Tim is a, is a speed trainer, and you get one of the top jocks down there, Rajiv Mirage. So um, I, I, I'm probably leaning towards the horse who has the experience – uh, but both Tim Ham and, and Gustavo Delgado are great first time out trainers. Um, so you probably get a better price there. Superstitio, I think, because, you know, isn't that the, the, the sort of French, uh, you know, go Tigers pronunciation? It doesn't that apply here. I think that's I think that's where I'm going. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what, what P. Diallo says. He's a man who does this. You're, you're, you're the cultural director on this show. So <laughs> leave it to you. But a lot to unpack there. I want to we'll come back at the end of the show because I want to ask you about your, your freshman sires contest. That sounds fun, and it sounds like something we should try to come up with a public version of if we can find a way to easily track it for, for a future season. That, that really sounds awesome. One horse I wanted to mention, and it's funny, this is maybe the, the third or fourth horse I've mentioned this show, going out for a trainer not particularly known for first-time starters. And I'm talking about Eddie Plisa, and the horse is Russian to win. I like the fact that the dam put a foot one big first out. Both siblings at least hit the board on debut. Cairo princes have solid stats first out, 12%. I think 10% is probably the average. Another thing about the Cairo princes is they are typically best uh, dirt sprinting. And uh, workouts look quick. Would you, would you uh, give this one any chance? Not, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you use that. Eddie Please is a phenomenal trainer. He knows what to do. Um, but he also is a, is a trainer that, that doesn't have to win first time out. And, and you see only four published breezes so far. Um, so it may be fitting that pattern of uh, could run a very good first time out race and then be really live next time out. So it, it's one that I'm probably leaning towards the others that we talked about. But this horse, if it runs a really bang up second or third, uh, should be really tough the next time it comes around. It's a great point, and you can use any of the stable watch tools. There's one from Daily Racing Form that, that you can use. There's an Equibase tool that you can use. And I think at the races.com in the UK has a pretty useful stable tracker for American horses as well. So play around with all three of those and come up with the one that you like best. What do you use? Do you use a stable mail tool or are you just looking at the form so much that you don't even need to do that? Um, you know, 
I think Equibase is, is one that I've always, you know, used. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. The virtual stable there, um, you know, through DRF and, and, and everything. I think it's, it's whatever is best for you personally. I've had success with, with Equibase. Um, but, but again, I also am, am looking at the form so much that uh, a lot of my virtual stables just up in my head. <laughs> That's fair enough. Tell us quickly about the freshman sires contest and, le and let's think if there's a site that we could use, you know, if you can do it as a survey, like some of these survey sites can track the data for you. Obviously we don't want to get into a business where we have to hand count hundreds of, of pieces of data, but, but how does it, how does it work? Give it, give us an overview. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's a freshman sire contest that's been going on, uh, in, in, within the industry for, for many years, uh, a lot of industry insiders and everybody get involved in it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of uh, bragging rights. I sit at 263rd on the list at the moment. So uh, tells you how good I'm doing. But uh, it, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's all of us. We, we all like to have opinions. Uh, so you pick five horses. One of them has to be uh, with 50 or less foals in their crop. Um, and so you pick five and, and you have to rank them and, and that weights your, uh, your, your picks. And so, uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, industry insider, uh, ribbing and prodding going on. Uh, you know, I got a screenshot of, uh, of, of my placement the other day and, and uh, pretty much they said, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. We'll talk more about that offline. See if there's some way we can, uh, we, we could get people involved. Cause I'd imagine the audience for this show is a lot of people that would be involved in something like that. It sounds like a ton of fun. And, and oh, by the way, not a bad way to market horse racing as a sport, right? Because we talk all the time about uh, how you know, horses, they're, they're on the track and their the careers don't, don't last all the time as long as we, we'd like them to. You can market jockeys and trainers. They're there every year. But how about sires and farms as the, as the teams to, to pay attention to? Yeah. I, it, it, there's something there. I'm not sure what well, it is. And, and, you, and you saw where, where Churchill in, in the, uh, in the Derby, um, what the, the pre-Derby kind of, they, they have that new uh, Derby sire uh, gambling or um, list or, or, or future bat that, that they started putting out there a couple of years ago. So definitely, uh, you know, especially in our business, we're always paying attention to who the best sires are um, and who are the most productive of, of, of them. So it's, it's a fun way um to stay involved and uh, and have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, there's something to think about. It also a, an idea that has fixed odds wagering absolutely written all over it. So good. We get but the, the the mind is churning here. Uh, all right, Sean. We got to let you go. You've got golf balls to hit. I've got uh, I got to get myself uh, over to Saratoga at some point here. We've got uh, stakes racing today as we're recording this on this Thursday, but uh, just want to give you a chance to give a closing message to the, the listeners and viewers out there before we send this thing home just keep coming with the questions keep telling us what you want to hear and uh we hope you're enjoying the show uh we're having fun doing it and uh looking forward to getting to saratoga and uh continue to watch these impressive babies run good stuff for sean tugel we're going to thank our friends at gainsway farm we'll thank producer craig thank everybody out there for listening and viewing, as Sean said, especially those of you who ask questions, you can do so over at inthemoneypodcast.com or on Twitter. I'm at Looms Boldly. He's at Sean Tugel. Uh, until the next time, I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May the hammer drop your way. <laughs>